Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. Hey, good morning, Radiant family. How you guys doing? Man, it's like I told the first service. If I keep hanging around here, I'm going to embarrass myself coming up after one of these songs and trying to preach. Woo! I'll be trying to break out some steps that I can't own. I'm just telling you. I will embarrass my... Today is not the day, though. But someday, maybe. Keep coming back. We will see. Today, we're going to keep talking about change and transition. Normally, we'd be teaching through a book of the Bible, verse by verse. But have we not experienced a lot of change and transition in our lives this last month, this last year, this last year and a half? Right? Man, some of us are like, how in the world do we navigate these circumstances in a way that's pleasing and honoring to God? And, and what's going to fix this whole deal, right? So I don't know how many weeks we're going to be in this series, but at least for today, we're going to continue talking about change and transition. And, and Pastor Belton was down with us as a guest speaker last week, welcoming, welcoming us, preaching last week on our first official day on this property, which was awesome, right? And Pastor Belton preached the lights out, and then Philip scheduled me. Here we go. I want to remind you of one thing, though, that Pastor Belton said. He said, man, he, he said, this is not the finish line. This is what? The starting line. He, he reminded us that we, we cannot get complacent with what little benefits we've experienced already and not pursue what's next that God has for us. And, and one of the phrases I want to repeat that he said, he said, the building is a tool. And I just want to add one phrase to it. The building is a tool. It is not the strategy. What's the strategy? You and I are the strategy. We are plan A through Z. You and I are the strategy, but not just you and I, but Christ in us transforming our lives, walking in His presence so that we take His presence, His beauty, His gentleness, His compassion, His holiness, His love, wherever we set our foot. Well, that sounds like a big challenge. I was sitting across the... I just want to share a story with you and we're going to pray together and dive into 2 Corinthians chapter 3 if you want to turn there. I was sitting across the, the, the table from a young man, a young Ethiopian man. We were, I was in Ethiopia, this is years ago, named Muhammad. There's a lot of young men in his village named Muhammad in southern Ethiopia because it was mostly Islamic villages. And, and he was telling me his story. And, and a group of sports evangelists who we were doing some partnership with had gone through his village and they, and they simply used a soccer ball somehow to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That he came, he died, he rose again, and he is the one true prophet, Savior, and he can change our lives with a transforming power. And I don't know how, I will never understand how they could take a soccer ball and inflate it, deflate it, play in the game of soccer, because they usually didn't get much time either. After a couple of hours, three, three hours playing soccer with all the young people in the village, usually the village elders and the imams from the local mosque would show up and run them off. 
But before they ran them off, usually one young person would come to faith somehow through that soccer ball. Somehow through the power of God. And in this case, it was Muhammad. And Muhammad came to faith and somehow it leaked out as he shared what, about this prophet Jesus with his family. And it began to get out. And then the elders came and said, Muhammad, you have to go. The, the imams from the local mosque came said, you got to go. You can't stay here. Because this stuff, I'll use in our vernacular, this, this thing that they brought here, we have heard about it, and it will go viral. It will take over our village. It has a power that we do not understand. Now this is an aside. It has very little to do with the message today in 2 Corinthians 3. But just as an aside, every time I share that story, here's what's so convicting to me. How does an imam or a village elder in Ethiopia believe in the power of the gospel sometimes more than I do in my very own life? Because they've seen it before. They've seen the transforming power of the gospel before. And they can't put a name on it. They don't know what it's all about. They say, this will go viral. You have to leave. We'll lose everything. Wow. Muhammad refused to leave. Night came. His dad took food and water out to him. And Muhammad's relating this story to me. And he he said the second night, he stayed the whole next day under some trees on the edge of the village. The second night, his dad came out, brought him some food and water. He wouldn't leave. His dad said, you got to go. you got to move in with your uncle in the capital, in Addis, and you got to get a job, and you just got to go away from here because we could lose our home. We could lose our jobs. You might be physically harmed. you got to go. Muhammad said, I cannot leave until I tell you about the prophet Jesus. How much did he even really know about Jesus? And yet there was a power at work in his life that says, I cannot go anywhere until you see the same thing I've seen. Third night, his dad comes out bringing him food and water. This night, he didn't encourage him to leave. Instead, he looked at his son. He said, son, you got to come before it gets daylight in the cover of darkness. You got to come to our house and tell us about this prophet Jesus. Because the last three nights, I've had a dream. That our whole family and the whole village is falling into a lake of fire, except you're standing there with your hand held out. Muhammad, under the cover of darkness, went to his family's home, and for, for whatever information he had about Jesus, right, he is no theological student at this point, you know, with an object lesson of a soccer ball, with whatever powers at work in him, he shares what he had heard with his family, and they become believers. They start sharing with their neighbors, and some of them start to become believers. And pretty soon, pretty much the entire village has come to faith, and the imam of the local mosque shows up and says, hey, I'm the last faithful follower here. You can have it. I'm out. Look at this picture. These are people that Muhammad, who understand this much of the gospel through a soccer ball, began to share with, and they came to faith and started experiencing the same power in their lives. Is that crazy? Why do I tell this story? Because you and I are the strategy. And nothing short of a transformed life will work. I mean, look, look at the North Charleston community. Look, look at your neighbor. If your neighbor's here, don't say anything. Look at your neighbors. Look at your neighborhood. Look at your marriages. Look at, look at our lives. 
Look at the, the community that we're in and the, and the workplace we're in and the gym that we go to. Listen, we are way beyond better people, better families, better marriages, better small groups, better churches fixing this thing. It will require transformed people. It will require people who more and more regularly, as long as we're on this earth, walk in the presence of Jesus and lean hard into Him so that we carry His presence, His beauty, His glory, His holiness, His love, His compassion with us wherever we go. Nothing short of that will work. And I can hear it now. Because most of us, with what we've been going through as far as change and transition of the last few months or year, or year, a couple of years, whatever, most of us would say, hey, dude, you're killing me here. That is, sounds so unattainable, so far off, so impossible, so in the clouds. Like, what are you thinking? I'm just trying to survive. Listen, I think for real, we're going to be on the Zeta variant before this deal is over. Are we not? Show of hands. How many people expected to be dealing with this the next school year? It's like, what? Come on. This is the third time I've had to look for a job in the last year and a half. I mean, the hurt that I've experienced with relationships and division and the things that, that we've gone through. And, it, and, and besides all that, I've had a taste of church but they just used Jesus as a brand or they just tried to measure up to a moral code or they just gave me a, a taste of religion, not a taste of Jesus. I'm done with this. God did not design us just to survive. In fact, the word that the Bible uses is God didn't design us just to survive. God designed us to be glorious. God designed us to display His glory. To walk in the power of a transformed life little by little, the more we lean in and are in His presence. Our purpose, the reason I even take the next breath, is His glory. And so many times our challenge, particularly in the Western world, is this, in terms of Christianity, it's that, hey, God exists to be my ghostwriter and write a story that works out well. No, 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 no. Our story only exists to display His glory through us. That's my purpose. But it's so hard to see. How does this really work in the real life? Only God can show us. Let's pray together. Father, navigating what's next, pursuing what's next, seems so hard when we've navigated so much. And just like we know that nothing short of you working freely in our life, in the real world, in real circumstances, in real time. Nothing short of that is going to change us. Nothing short of that is going to really impact anybody else around us either. God, when we're in survival mode, it is so hard to see. 
We're trapped in shame even. We're trapped in doubt. We're trapped in fear. We're trapped in busyness. We're trapped in anxiety. This just seems such a far away thing. Holy Spirit, you're the only one who can show us, so I pray that in my weakness, in our weakness, that you would show us what it means to be a transformed people from day to day and carry your love and beauty with us wherever we go. In your name I pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 16 through 18. And I'm just going to summarize real briefly the first 15 verses that Paul leads up to in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 16 reads like this. It says, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, what in the world is Paul referring to? The first 15 verses of this chapter, Paul's referring to a veil that Moses wore. Moses went up the mountain in the Old Testament, went up the mountain to get the law of God, the Ten Commandments, written on tablets. And while he was in proximity in the presence of God, while he was in the presence of God, his face began to glow. He began to reflect the glory of God. And as he came down the mountain, it says that the people's hearts and minds were hardened. And so he put a veil over his face so they could not see God's glory. They didn't want it. But just by being in God's presence and proximity, he took on, began to reflect the glory of God. And in those first 15 verses, Paul uses the phrase, how much more if through the law, Moses began to reflect the glory of God as he related to God through that law. How much more with God's Spirit in us as we turn to Christ, we trust Him, His death, His burial, His resurrection, His resurrection, the forgiveness of our sins. We trust Him to make us a new creation, a son and daughter. He places His Spirit in us. We did a week by week, a verse by verse Romans 8 series. You can go back and listen to and walk through all those principles. How much more with God's own Spirit living in us, not words on a tablet, will we reflect God's glory? And Paul says, how much more? For everyone who's a son and daughter of God, who's been released from bondage to the law, who's been released from condemnation of sin, whose sins have been forgiven, who sees who they really are and sees who God really is, how much more when the veil's removed? So everyone who's turned to Christ and become a believer, a follower of Christ, it says, the veil is removed, verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, His Spirit is in us, there is freedom. Man, you think about the season we're in. Wouldn't it be nice just to live free? I feel like lately, man, I got, well, pretty much got off social media anyway. But every word we choose, it seems like sometimes it's like it's going to be a trigger for somebody. I mean, what would it be like to live in freedom? What would it be like to come to God freely, boldly, trusting as a little child without shame, without fear, without doubt, and be able to lean into Him? So, so the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. We can come freely and boldly and trusting. And then this last verse, verse 18. We all, all with unveiled faces. So in Christ, for the, through the forgiveness of our sin and Him making us new creations, His Spirit in us, Through Christ, having pulled the veil away by dying on the cross, living in us, as we turn to Christ, the veil's removed, and with unveiled faces, we're looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. And face to face someday, but right now on this earth, through the Spirit in us, we are face to face with Christ as we press into His presence, beholding Him. It says, 
So we look at it as a mirror, the glory of the Lord, and the last part, and our being, it's a process of change as long as we're on this earth, our being transformed into the same image. Now listen, we don't believe that. We are being, by the Spirit in us, we are being transformed into the same image, the same beauty, the same goodness, the same love, the same humility, the same righteousness, the same holiness. The same. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. A little bit at a time. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Did you know this? The Holy Spirit. Number one job is your transformation. Working in you to transform your inner nature as you hang out with Christ to look more like Christ. You with me? There are a few few times I'll I'll point back to our importance. But listen, there's got to be something important going on there if the Holy Spirit's number one job is my transformation. The important thing is because my purpose is to display His glory. That's the only way to get there. As we look at those verses, as we think about transformation, so many big words, so many. Verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18 is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It's, it's so much to think about. Let me just break it down into three words. We're going to do three words, and I'll share an illustration with you at the end. Three words. First one is this, all. Now, you guys can help me out for a second. All is a complex word that means what? See, you got it. This is not a trick question. All means all. You are not exempt if you have put your faith in Christ and His Spirit lives in you. All. All means all. Well, pastor, you don't know. You you don't know my marriage. You don't know my job. You don't know my block. You don't know... What's been done to me. You don't know what I've done to others. You don't know my trauma. You don't know the hurt. You don't know how many times somebody, even people in my own family, repeatedly tell me that I am worthless. Not made in the image of God, but worthless. And you'd be right, I don't know. But this I do know, and that is that too often I assume that God is too small for my circumstance. Mm, don't make the same mistake. We live a veiled life. Even after we're a believer, we are unveiled in Christ. But it's like we pretend and live a veiled life, not pressing into Him, hiding out, trying to do it on our own. Why? Because we feel like our circumstance... Listen, God is bigger than your circumstance. He's bigger than the circumstance of the last 12 months, 18 months, 12 hours, whatever it is. Yeah, that, that's, that's churchy language. But think about this. And we may even say, listen, Paul's writing this. Paul's one of the biggest spiritual giants of the faith of all time. Yeah, that's Paul. That's not me. I don't, I'm not included in the all. How does this even work in the real life? Like, how does this happen? How are we transformed from glory to glory? Let me give you, let me give you the, the point on this. We'll go to the second word. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, and I'm just going to summarize it. Some of it I think will flip up on your screen. I'm just going to summarize it. Listen. 
How did Paul, how was Paul transformed from glory to glory? He said, I was beaten with whips. I was beaten with rods. I was imprisoned. I was shipwrecked. I was in the cold without clothes. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was maligned by everybody around me. False teachers called me out for, in, in a false way. I was hurt by so many people, and I carry the weight of all you're carrying. And on top of that, through all of that, God's glory is displayed. It's not that encouraging, but that's real life. Here's the point. Our perspective has to shift to live as transformed people. My perspective, I, gosh, I'm one of the oldest ones in the room, probably. In fact, when Moses went to get the Ten Commandments, you don't even remember the movie, do you? Charlton Heston, face glowing, up the mountain, down, no, never mind. I, the, our perspective has to shift. It has to shift to this. Every circumstance is not a win or lose. This circumstance, if it goes right, is, 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 is not everything. If it goes wrong, I didn't lose everything. You know, the world stops here. The world starts here. Every circumstance is not a win or lose or a finish line. Every single circumstance we experience is a starting line for displaying His glory. If our perspective will shift to this, and that is that if I can live in such a way, which is a challenge, but if I can live in such a way, and other people help me live in such a way, that I see this. Every circumstance equals a classroom for my transformation. Every circumstance, I've got to start living with a perspective that this is not all there is. There is much more to come. His glory face to face. In the meantime, that's my only purpose, is, work, is being transformed from glory to glory until I get there. Every circumstance equals a classroom for transformation. It's an opportunity to lean hard into God and to know Him. And the more Paul said in the book of Philippians, he said, if I had one prayer to pray for a whole church, over and over and over again, it would be this, that you might know Him. Because the only way to be changed is to press in and to know Him. The more we know Him, the more the Spirit changes us. The more we're in His presence, the more His glory is reflected in our life. Every circumstance pushes us to lean in toward Him. Second, the second word we look at is unveiled. Unveiled. So, so in verse 17, it talked about we're living as unveiled. Verse 18, we're living as unveiled. All Sons and daughters can come to God freely and boldly and trusting. We can live unveiled. We can see who God really is, and we can see more and more of who we really are. And we can recoil from that, but as, 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 as coming to a gentle, compassionate, merciful, forgiving, wonderful, loving Father, we can bring all our mess up in there, and we can live unveiled, and it's okay. Now, the problem with that is that we don't have very good, very good examples. That many, maybe. Maybe it hadn't been your experience. I don't know what you're talking about in terms of a dad like that. But if you could create the ideal, if you could, if you could think about the dad of the ages, 1,000 times more, that is God our Father, when we are His sons and daughters, saying, I am a loving, compassionate, merciful, gentle God. Come to me. Live unveiled. Don't be trapped in your shame and your fear and your anxiety and your, all that stuff that's going on. All of your stuff. Live unveiled. That's the second point. We could say that to walk in a rhythm of weakness 
is a platform for his glory. Their perspective of life, every circumstance can be, can be a classroom. The rhythm of life, walking in weakness. Man, how much could our world use that right now? What, what, if, what if our world walked in a rhythm, because we now have the power of the Holy Spirit, whether we walked in a rhythm of humility and weakness, just that would help a little bit. But we walk in a rhythm of weakness so that he might be shown strong. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he's talking about here praying for a thorn to be removed from his life, a circumstance. And God said no. And Paul said, well, okay. And this is Paul praying for it. See, some classrooms hang around. Y'all don't like that, do you? I don't like it either. Some classrooms don't go away because it's the classroom of that circumstance that pushes us into Jesus where he transforms us. And Paul prayed three times. Paul did this, right? If anybody could get it, he could get it. He prayed three times. God said no. And Paul said, well, that's all right. I will glory in my weakness because in my weakness, I display your glory of your strength. Live unveiled. Live unveiled. I mean, I think about it wasn't as much. Our kids are older, so and this wasn't really. I don't know that this was really a thing when our kids were younger. But there's a tool. You know, I see people doing that now. And it seems like a good tool. But um, anybody, anybody here, a parent or as a parent, you use the, you do this for your kid, especially younger children. You're like, use your words. Anybody? Use your words. Like, don't come up here with your five-year-old meltdowns, just emotions everywhere. Just use your words. It's okay. And then the first time they look at you and they start doing what you ask. And they say, I'm so angry with you. I don't like you. I don't. Yeah, then you're like, don't use your words. Forget your words. Go to your room. God can handle it. If we don't live unveiled, we're not going to live through these circumstances that we all face in a transformed way. Because we can't do it on our own. Use your words. He can handle it. When Pastor Philip mentioned the wheel of emotions a, a, a few weeks ago when we started talking about change and transition and using this big wheel of emotions and getting down to the very specific emotion that might kind of name where we are at any given moment or whatever, um, my wife took that and, and she went back, I, I don't know how many, but she listed a dozen or more, uh, maybe a lot more than that, she listed a dozen or more circumstances over the last year, year and a half in her journal and she went down one by one in a long extended time with God, went down one by one and found a specific word to put next to each of those circumstances, how she felt about it. See, here's the thing about sons and daughters with the ideal dad. You can live unveiled. You can bring your mess. You don't have to shine it up any on the way. Paul said, in my weakness, living in a life of weakness, day to day, hour by hour, your glory will be displayed. And then last one, last word. From. Verse 18, there's the word from. From, where's it from? From the Spirit. Listen, again. 
we're probably in our minds still saying unattainable, impossible. How does this work? My life is two steps forward, three steps back, incessantly for years. Change comes from the Spirit. I can't manufacture it. Change comes from what the Spirit is doing in me. As I press into and walk in the presence of Christ, the Spirit changes me, transforms me. In fact, you can't really encounter Christ, be in His presence like Moses on the mountain, without being changed to some degree. Encounters with Jesus don't happen without transformation. Here's, here's, a, here's a phrase for you. Listen, what God has put in you is more than enough for anything He asks from you. What God has put in you through His Spirit is more than enough for anything that He will ever ask of you. Quit hiding out. Quit trying to do it on your own. Quit living kind of a veiled life when God says, I just want you to come in my presence because that's where things happen. I can use a soccer ball. I mean, Muhammad didn't have hardly any information at all. Didn't have any theological framework. Now, again, I'm not dogging information. As Pastor Philip said, we're starting some theology classes. Please come. But any information that doesn't lead to transformation, we're just not doing it in the presence of Jesus. It ain't working. It's useless. Transformations come from, the word from, comes from God as we stay in His presence. And then we take His presence with us wherever we go. Look, so often we look at, we're so tired, all the circumstances we've been experiencing. So often we look at transformation as a job that we are to do. Something that we are to manufacture. It is not. It is a person that we embrace. When we press into the presence of Jesus and live unveiled with all our dirty mess, not holding anything back, He can take it. When we walk that way in that rhythm of weakness, when we walk in a perspective that every circumstance has the potential to be a classroom for transformation, when we do that, then our conflict is replaced by His peace. We don't manufacture peace. I can't do it. Our hurt is replaced by His healing. Our anger is replaced by His joy. Our shame is replaced by His dignity. I will never create a big enough rep for myself to please God. Just come unveiled. He's put in us what He asks of us. Now, last thing. I want to go to one other passage, and I, what I want to do is just share this with you over the next couple of minutes as a lead into celebrating communion this morning. And that's Genesis 3, <clears throat> verses 8 through 11. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. And it reads like this It says, Then the man, Adam, and his wife Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. At the time of the evening breeze. Doesn't that sound like such an awesome scene? Man, I could use walking in the garden with God in the evening breeze. Man, that's... problem right here, though, is they're just living veiled. 
So they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to Adam and he said to him, where are you? Now look, God knew where he was. Adam knew where he was. He didn't want to see it. And because Adam knew where he was, he didn't think God could love him where he was at. So he's hiding out. But see, God knew anyway. He says, where are you? He wanted Adam to see where he was. Do you know that God, 1,000 times more than you want to be in his presence, where you will be transformed, he wants you in his presence? Is that, that, listen, think about that. Where are you, Adam? Adam said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So God asked Adam, he said, here's the point. Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Because it wasn't me. Who are you listening to that's keeping you from me? What shame are you refusing to bring in in preventing the power of my spirit, transformation, working in your life, which the world desperately needs through you? What shame are you not bringing? You are hiding behind some leaves. I already know it. What fear is telling you not to come to me? What conflict, what what change, what, what circumstance, what challenge is telling you not to come to me. Who's telling you? Who are you listening to that's keeping you from me? Listen, here's a freebie. But, but the devil will take a truth in your story. He'll take a truth in your story. This absolute, God already knew all this stuff was true. He'll take a truth in your story, and he'll begin to build your identity out of it to keep you from God. Why? Because he knows you will be transformed in the presence of God. That's the reason we did the panel a couple of weeks ago, the panel of experts on mental health and emotional health and all that stuff. Why? Because we need to, we need to bring that back someday, but we need to engage those practical tools in order to work on that veil that we've put there so many times. Anything that will help us in leaning harder into the presence of Christ and knowing Him and hearing from Him. You with me? People that are more emotionally and mentally healthy and and, and people that are walking in healthy relationships in community and people that are pursuing God. It makes room for what God can only do. So we have the practical, but then here's the crux of it. Are we living as if we're veiled? How many of you like, um, sometimes it's like we're, Sometimes it's like we're, we're little kids playing little kids' games. How many of you like enjoy playing hide-and-seek with some you know, three-year-old, four-year-old? Isn't that a blast? It's a blast, man. Why? Because I always win, number one. I mean, that's a game I can win right there. 
But it's fun playing with little kids, hide and seek. Why? Because they can get behind that mic stand and say, you can't see me. You know, you count to ten, they're underneath the table right in front of you. You can't see me. I mean, they're trying to hide behind invisible things that you can see right through, right? And so many times, we live as if we're veiled. All the work that Jesus did, all the price that he paid to make our bones sing, to fill our lungs with his breath, everything we sing about, to fill up the whole earth with his praise. We put veils over it. We hide out. We try to do it on our own. Do me a favor. Put your hands over your eyes just for a second. Now, I don't know if you're doing it or not because my hands are over my eyes. But put your hands over your eyes just for a second. Look. If we live a veiled life, if we live this way, We are not robbing God of seeing us and everything we're going through. We are robbing ourselves of seeing God, the only one who can get us through it. We, we only rob ourselves. Press in. Come to Him boldly, honestly, trusting with freedom. Because we're now, because of Christ, approaching a throne of mercy, not a throne of judgment. He says, come to me. Come to me. Let's pray. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com.